As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Tribune Audio Network. You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of the cookies. You do it all, and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Powered by the Quad City Moms blog, here's your host, Denise Hanitka. Hey, everybody. Welcome to On a Mother Level. I'm Denise Hanitka, and in the podcast studio with me today is a guest I know you're going to love to listen to. Katie Licht is with us. How are you, Katie? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Katie is the mother of triplets. They are almost three months old. Yeah, two and a half. So getting close. October 2nd, they'll be three months. I can't believe they're already almost three months. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> has the time just totally flown to you? It has. It, it has slowed, um, slowed down a little bit just because... I don't know. I think we've gotten into the routine and being home, you know, at first it was all new and it was just flying. Um, and now it's kind of, you know, tapering, tapering down a little bit. And we're just getting into the, you know, everyday, everyday sorts of things. And they're growing They're They've all put on at least four pounds, which is amazing. That's so, incredible. Yeah. So they're just, they're growing, they're getting bigger, which is all that we can ask at this point. So by this time next week, when you hear the podcast, when this airs, You'll be back to work. I will be, yes. A day, yeah. two days, a couple days. How are you feeling about that? I feel like I've finally grasped how it feels to be a mom of triplets and yeah. how to survive. And I feel like uh, I have it under control. And now we're just going to kind of throw a whole curveball into it. So I'm a little nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, see my coworkers that I haven't seen and the kids and all of that fun stuff, but then I'm not spending the time with, with the babies, right. which I love doing. So, you know, baby cuddles are the best and a little relaxing and work isn't always relaxing. So, so you're a guidance counselor at Davenport North High School. Yeah, the school counselor. And so truly the timing of having the babies and then going back to work is ridiculous because you basically finished out the year had the babies over the summer, and now the year's barely gotten started and you get to go back. So you timed that incredibly well. You know, it wasn't my choice. It just happened that way. I, it did work out very well, though. It was my goal to make it to the end of the year, and I made it. I, yes, I was did. a little miserable, but I made it. So we, it was also very hot, and I was very, very big waddling around the hallways. And <laughs> the students were like, wow, you're really pregnant. I was like, yes, I am. Well, so many wonderful things have happened to you in the last three months. And so I will really want to walk people throughout your entire journey. But let's start by celebrating your wins of the week. So do you have your, um, your example of how you took it to a mother level this week? I do. So I feel like I've done a really good job of kind of documenting what we've gone through on the Facebook like triplets page. Um, But I haven't written it down anywhere and I haven't really saved things like in a space other than Facebook. 
you know, I think about it and like MySpace was going to be around forever. <laughs> MySpace <laughs> right. isn't really a thing anymore. Like, so all of these memories are saved on Facebook. So I finally started, I created a email for like, it's the like triplets email um, that I hope someday the babies will, when they're older, not babies anymore, you know, I'll give them the password to it and they can look through that stuff for the memory. So I started like copying and pasting the pictures and my recaps of what has happened. And I've been sending them in emails to this email address. Oh, cool. Um, so I feel like it's so crazy to think and I'll write like little messages in the email and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'll get teary eyed. Like I'm writing this to my, my grown children, you know, um, hopefully someday yes. they'll appreciate that. So I felt, I felt like that was pretty cool. I'm, only a few into it. Like I don't yeah, have them all yeah. done, but I have a start on it, which is something that I wanted to do before I went back to work. So check that off. Yes. That's um, a huge one. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. So my win for the week. So I feel like um, people are just going to have to forgive me because, <laughs> because it feels like every episode I've talked about Abram's birthday and it just happens to be like the schedule. So yes, I'm going to talk about Abram's birthday again because today is his actual birthday, even though you're not going to hear this until next week. So um, I kind of started a little sort of birthday tradition with him where we're going to go out to lunch, just him and I on his birthday. So today um, I, we dropped his brother off at daycare and then he and I went and had lunch and so we went, we call McDonald's Yayo because he has a little set of farm animals. And, um, you know, because old McDonald had a farm E-I-E-I-O. So he calls them like his Yayo animals. So he has like a Yayo farmer and a Yayo sheep and a Yayo horse. So, of course, McDonald's is eating a Yayo lunch. <laughs> so we went and had a Yayo lunch today and... Um, you know, when you have two, and I don't even know what it would like to have three, but when you have two, like, we don't, Abram and I aren't alone together anymore, you know, like we used to be when it was just him around. So I just really wanted to make sure to spend a little time with him today just solo. So I was really excited that um, we had our little Yayo lunch tradition and... It was really cute because he actually had his very first Happy Meal, which he was very thrilled um, by the whole concept of the Happy Meal toy. The Happy Meal toy today was um, was a little Matchbox car, which is perfect for him because he's obsessed with cars. And so I'm just going to roll right into my um, fail. And this is not my fail. This is McDonald's fail. They made me put my own decals on the stupid little oh, car. No. So like teeny tiny little Hot Wheels Matchbox car, whatever, and these teeny tiny little stickers with like a Map, like put sticker K right here and then next to that put sticker L. I mean what I want to know who's spending their lunchtime putting stickers on this tiny little car. That is a total McDonald's fail. Okay. Now that car looks great. I'm excellent at applying decals, but I mean you, <laughs> your fingers have never felt fatter than when you're trying to stick tiny little decals on a Hot Wheels Happy Meal toy car. Also my next fail is on Abram because he does not eat McDonald's fries. Did you ever think that I would raise a kid who won't eat McDonald's fries? No. Does that just mean more for you, though? I mean, yeah, it, re it really does. That's true. That actually should be a win. <laughs> but I, but he won't, I, I don't know why he doesn't eat French fries, but he, I, I put him in his little, like, nugget box, you know, and, and he said, Mom, would you like to have these? I'm like, wow, what is wrong with you that you won't eat McDonald's fries? I'm hoping that changes. I hope um, he sees the light. And if anyone's going to shame me for giving my kids McDonald's fries, I have a feeling anyone who, who would be mad at me for that isn't my people and isn't listening to this podcast anyway. So love you. 
Maybe you just need <laughs> like a chocolate shake. Have you ever tried that? Dipping it in like a chocolate shake. Maybe I that would get I love that. I feel like people think that's weird, but I love I the sweet salty that weirdness. Oh, that is me gosh. too. You are my people. You're here. <laughs> okay, so those were my two semi fails for the week. Mm -hmm. Okay, so go ahead, Katie. All right, I have two as well. Um, the first one. A tip that I got from my sister-in-law when I'm trying to take pictures of the babies, first of all, they're very unpredictable. <laughs> One is, so trying to get a good picture of three babies is just craziness. So she told me, you need to just record a video and then when you're done recording, you know, and then the babies smile and it's great. Um, when you're done recording, go back through and pause it and take a screenshot so that you can get a picture so that you don't have to make sure that you have the timing right. Oh, okay. To like get the picture of the baby smiling. You just have the video and you can pause it where the babies are smiling and then take a screenshot, which perfect. Sounds great. Until one of the baby's projectile vomits and then <gasps> you can get that screenshot. <laughs> yes! I have... <laughs> <laughs> I have a picture of one of the babies projectile vomiting and I sent it to my sister. So oh, I that's it, fantastic. You know, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I should, <laughs> should have maybe been is, in that continuing. Is the subject baby puking on another baby? Um, <laughs> that has happened this past week, but it was not, I did not get that on tape, unfortunately. Oh my gosh. That would have been something to send to them on their email. I really want to see this picture. Oh I really my gosh. See this I can picture. pull it up. Yeah. We're going to have to use that to promote the pod. <laughs> oh my gosh. What's the story behind this picture? Hey, that's a really good idea. Do you ever use the burst too on the phone? I have. I yeah. haven't Does that not work out, quite as well? You know, it does. And I haven't quite figured out though, how to go back into it and. Oh, okay. Like. Can see you, like, the different frames like what you want mm -hmm. to do for that yeah so i guess i'm a little yeah no we're gonna get you up times. to speed we're gonna <laughs> get you up to speed no worries because you're gonna have a lot of photo ops with three babies yes. at home Yes. <laughs> okay so we normally oh. would do like a oh Can go I ahead my yeah other yeah what's your other fast? one go ahead okay so my other fail <laughs> i hate drinking water so and you Preach. have to drink water you know i'm pumping and you're just supposed to drink water anyway and yeah. i don't so I mix Propel like packets into a water bottle because if it's flavored water, I'll drink it. The other day I was mixing bottles for the babies, no. which it's part <laughs> breast milk and it's part <laughs> formula. So I have to use bottled water for, yeah. <laughs> for um, the bottles. <laughs> and so I'm measuring it out and I put it in the bottle warmer, heat it up and mix it up. Luckily, I caught it before I gave it to the babies, but I mixed my Propel water <laughs> in with the formula <laughs> to get to the babies. So that was a big fail. <laughs> oh, no. How, like, how did you tell that it had happened? Like, did it turn their, their bottle, like, orange? No, you know, orange? I was just looking. I paid attention to my surroundings for okay. a second, which I apparently was not doing before. I was just grabbing and going through the motions, and I was like, wait a second. That's my water. Their water is back behind. I don't think I opened the other water bottle. So. Well, I'm wondering if the babies might have thought that it was a refreshing twist. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they would have like sucked it down and then never had another bottle again. <laughs> they would have been like, nope, I want that other stuff. Oh, that's hilarious. I also hate drinking water. Yeah. Especially because you spend your whole pregnancy drinking only water. Mm -hmm. And then the babies come and you're still drinking only water. Mm -hmm. And I don't, like it just gets exhausting. It gets exhausting. I hate water after a while. So water with a little twist. You know, yeah. and I also love water, though, in the hospital when they have that special mm. ice. Yes. I will drink water all day long. And apparently, so it's like Sonic ice, right? Did you know you can go yeah, to Sonic stuff. and buy bags of ice? You can? Someone told me that the other day. 
Like you can go and just. So I was like, maybe I should invest in that. You if should it gets treat to yourself to some, some sonic ice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Whatever gets you through, girlfriend. Okay, so normally we do like a Moms in the Headlines, but today we're doing something a little bit different because I want to spend the most time possible on Katie's story. Um, and also, Katie made me aware that it is PCOS Awareness Month and it is also NICU Awareness Month. And so those are both huge parts of your story on your journey to and after having triplets. So um, shall we start seven years ago is sure. that what the beginning of your story is is seven years yes, ago the story to the triplets yeah yes, um yeah so I you know got married had a job my husband and I kind of thought hey maybe we'd like to you know start a family at this point um I went off birth control in March of 2012 okay um and just kind of took the like oh whatever happens you yeah. know we'll see when it happens and um it, for about two years, we did not have anything happen. <laughs> so, um, you know, we ended up talking and deciding that we really, we wanted to start our family. So I went to my nurse practitioner who referred me to an OB. Um, and at my very first appointment, actually, with the OB, he was able to diagnose me with polycystic ovary syndrome, which doesn't always happen on the first time. Um, the symptoms look different for everyone. Um, so polycystic ovary syndrome is an endocrine thing and a reproductive thing. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's a higher, um, male hormones, um, is kind of the biggest thing that okay. throws a wrench into thing, things as well as being like insulin resistant. So it has to do with insulin. Um, there's just a whole, a whole list of things that kind of play into it, um, for me to get diagnosed, they looked at like my blood work. Um, they looked at my other symptoms, which I, um, you know, kind of have had um, more of a weight distribution around my, the center of my belly. I had like excessive hair growth and like, you know, having to get my eyebrows and face waxed and, you know, more than other people. Okay. Which I just kind of thought, oh, whatever. Um, some of the other things are like weight gain and not being able to lose weight. I, irregular periods is the biggest thing, um, which when you're trying to get pregnant, you have to kind of, you know, yeah, you've got to know that all. Yeah. And I was always like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> um, so he was able to diagnose me at the first appointment as well as, um, a pelvic ultrasound that showed polycystic ovaries. So it's okay. littler cysts are kind of like a rosary, I guess, is what people have kind of related it wow, to okay. around the outside of my ovaries. So it's like my eggs will kind of go to the outside of my ovaries and they're supposed to drop, but they don't drop okay. down to ovulate. Okay. So, um, so one in 10 women have PCOS, so it's considered fairly common. Yeah. And you know, it became, I didn't realize how common it was yeah. until I kind of started sharing my story and found out there are a lot of people around me who also have it and who have gone through that. Um, and so, infertility is a main symptom of it as well. Yes. And it's a lot of times it, that's when it's diagnosed is when sure. people are, are wanting to have babies in their reproductive years and not able to. Um, so at this point, are they telling you this is the main reason that you're not getting pregnant? What are they telling you? Yes. And he, the doctor said, you know, it's not that you can't get pregnant, but you're going to need some help getting pregnant. Okay. Um, was how he kind of phrased it. Um, and we kind of started on the journey. He started me on using Clomid, which is a medication to take to help you mm -hmm. ovulate. 
Um, for me, I took it, I did several rounds of that and it didn't work for me. Um, so, you know, just, I wasn't prepared for that. It was a little just, I don't know, disheartening because every month you'd be like, okay, I'm going to take this medicine and it's just going to work. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're going to start our family. And it's just something that you think happens so easily and it doesn't always happen that easily for Mm -hmm. everyone. Um, which is something, you know, through seven years that I would kind of go back to like, oh, this isn't supposed to be this hard, but right. <laughs> it is. Um, so I did several rounds of Clomid. It didn't make me ovulate one time. Um, so I had all the side effects. I had, you know, weight gain. I had the night sweats, the um, hot flashes, mm-hmm. like crazy. Um, but it didn't make me ovulate. So um, after, you know, the failed rounds there, he referred me to an Iowa City doctor who is an endocrinologist in She's based in Davenport, Dr. Kreswick, who's awesome. Um, and her o- office was just great. And for the first time when I went to that appointment, they explained PCOS in a way that I kind of understood it and, you know, gained the knowledge about it. Um, at that point, my husband was actually talking about enlisting into the military. Okay. So I told them, you know, like, I'm glad that I now have all of this information. We kind of have a plan of what we would do in the future. But um, my husband, you know, he might be gone. And I don't want to put my body through this if he's not going to be here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then unfortunately, he ended up getting hurt within the next couple months at work and lost some muscle mass in his leg and ended up not going. Okay. So, you know, and it's kind of, it's just crazy how things kind of all play into each other and mm-hmm. I mean it, I don't know I might be a whole different story if he ended up going you know right um so then she told me the biggest things that I needed to do was work on getting healthy and you know losing weight and that should help things because it kind of turns into a vicious cycle with like the insulin resistance and the more weight you have the more you know your body doesn't use insulin right and it just keeps going um so So what's your mindset at this point? It had been two years. You have this diagnosis now. You've tried the Clomid. Where where is your head at? That was another thing that I realized I also needed to get straight. Like I needed to work on the mental side of things also. Like mentally I needed to get healthy because I was, I don't, I was like ashamed of it, you know? Okay. Like, and it sounds so, I don't, almost silly, you know, but it's just how how I felt at the time. Like, going back, like, this is why women are put on the earth is to have babies, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know that that's not the only thing that we're good for, you know, obviously. Of course, of course. But in my mind, that was like, I need to do this one thing and I can't do it. So Mm -hmm. I almost felt like a failure. Well, and did you feel like, well, the diagnosis is me, so I'm not able to give my husband the family because it's my fault, you know? And And that's, you know, it's a ridiculous thought, but... Oh, it was there, definitely. And I didn't... For a long time, I didn't share with him. I didn't share with many people what I was going through. Yeah. As I kind of accepted what was happening and knew that there were some other things that, you know, this isn't working this way, but there are some other things that we can try. After I started to accept that, I started to open up more um, and just started when I opened up to my husband about it, like the support that he gave me, like he had no idea I was feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, that way. And feeling like, I, you know, this is all my fault and taking on all of that guilt. He was so supportive and, you know, looking at it as like, well, let's see what we can do to figure it out. So after a couple of years, I 
lost some weight, went back to the doctor. She wanted me to start this medication called Fumira or Letrozole. Um, and we started out at five milligrams. Again, my mind, you know, we're going to go, this we're going to be this, it. And it's going to happen. It's yeah. going to be great. The first round didn't make me ovulate. <laughs> the second round, she bumped it up to 7.5. I finally got a positive test. After six years of not having any positive test, like any ovulation test that was positive, any pregnancy test that was positive, I finally got one. And yeah. I was so excited. It actually was about a year ago right now. A positive now. pregnancy test? Positive ovulation test. Ovulation test. test. Okay. Um, it was about a year ago this month. It just came up on my, like, you know, time hop pictures yeah. on my phone. Um, and, you know, I'm crying in the picture. And I have a, you know, picture of the test. And I'm so excited. So I think it's going to happen this month. And then it didn't. Mm -hmm. And then it, you know, the next month, guess what? Ovulated, got the positive ovulation test. It's going to happen this month. So simple. Like everything's there. It just, it's going to happen. You know, it didn't happen again. So then the third month of the 7.5, um, took it again. If I didn't, if nothing happened, if there was no pregnancy after that month, I was going to have to take a break because the doctor said your body needs a break. You okay. know? So... It just so happened that third month, that last chance before we had to take a break, we got a positive pregnancy test. Oh, my gosh. And it's so mapped out, just timing of things that I knew I was probably doing the pregnancy test a little, a little early. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a positive, kind of a positive test. I thought it was. But I wanted to wait until the next morning to make sure before I told my husband. Yeah. Um, and, like, I couldn't contain myself. Like, I was so excited. And I was going to be all cute. And, you know, the announcement that I gave to him was, um, like, congratulations, Dad. Your baby is as big as the tip of the screw. I was going to yeah. relate the baby's size to, like, car parts because he's very into cars. <laughs> I was going to do that the whole pregnancy. I only did the first week. <laughs> I, hey, you, know, you know, that's fine. Pregnancy sickness kind of jumped in there. And <laughs> I lost <laughs> the ambition to do that. So, um, you know, I, he walked out woke up in the morning. I was already up because I couldn't sleep because I was so excited to take the test again. And hopefully it was positive. Um, and he walked out of the bedroom and I like shoved the sign in his face <laughs> and he was like, he, he was so excited. So finally we got that positive test. And so this, this took you seven years though. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes of keeping yourself going and seeing other people get pregnant and, people, of course, who are insensitive and ask you, when are you having, you know, like oh. people do. And I had someone tell me to, well, do I need to tell you how, how you have a baby? Like, and I was like, what? you know what? I get it. Thank you. When, and my answer ended up being, and I will be honest at the beginning of things, like when I wasn't mentally kind of where I should be, yeah, I had some of the, like, I don't jealousy. Like I want that to happen. And mm -hmm. I, work in a field where I had some people who were not very grateful of their pregnancies. Um, and you know, I just remember I was on the phone one time and I, someone said that they were pregnant. I was like, Oh, congratulations. And she was like, no. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like it was wow. crazy. And I yeah. get like, everyone has their own story, different circumstances, but it was just hard being in a place where I wanted that so bad. And there's someone next to me who yeah. doesn't. And when I wasn't where I should be mentally, I played into that and kind of the resentment. And then yeah. I realized, you know what? <laughs> like, that's going to be their story. They're going to figure it out. I have to figure out my own story. So every time that we would have the negative 
whatever test. I tried to reframe it as, you know, well, now we know that this dosage doesn't work. Now we know that this medication doesn't work. Like what, what could work? We're, you know, we're just marking off the check boxes until we find out what will actually work. Yeah. Um, luckily we were still at the point where we had other options too. You know, if the Fermera or Letrozole didn't work, there were, you know, other options that we could still kind of go through. And that kind of gave me hope. I ended up just telling people when they would ask me, like, it will happen when it happens mm -hmm. and I will be so grateful when it happens. And when I would add that, I'll be so grateful when it happens, people kind of took a step back and they were like, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, I like that line, maybe though. I should have thought of that, said that in a different right. way. Well, and even I feel like awareness about infertility and a little more sensitivity to the topic has changed dramatically, I think, even in the past five years, I would you know, where that. people yes. people are just more aware of other people's struggles. And and that's because people are talking about it, you know. So now that it's happened for you, is there anything I mean, someone might be listening to this that's still waiting, you know, is there anything that that you can say or like what I don't know how like how do you how do you look back on it now I it's funny that you say like they're still waiting I have talked to talked to my sister a lot about this like it was worth the wait yeah the things that we went through what I have now it was worth the wait and I would just say keep trying to figure out what's going to work for you different things are going to work for every single person um one person who has polycystic ovary syndrome might have success with Clomid, they might have success with this other drug. They might get to the point where they have to do like an IUI or in vitro. Mm -hmm. It's, or, you know, you get to the point where you decide if you want to adopt or, you know, foster or have a surrogate. Like there are some different options and you just have to figure out what's going to work for you. Yeah. There are options out there though. And maybe it ends up being, you know, maybe it, you decide that having your own kids isn't what you want. That's, that's going to be what you figure out on your path. Mm -hmm. Did you guys ever think about that, about getting involved in adoption or getting in the foster system? Like how far did you guys let your, your um, minds wander, I guess? We actually, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but we didn't wander too far. Yeah. We kept just trying to focus on like, okay, here's our next thing that we can try. Like we tried to just kind of keep it there. Yeah. Um, Part of it, too, our insurance didn't cover infertility stuff. Mm. Luckily, and I probably shouldn't say this on a recorded thing, um, how things were coded in, you know, our fertility journey, um, things were covered. It was coded as an endocrine thing. It was coded I as see. this medication that I took was covered by insurance. It's also a medication that I believe is for breast cancer, okay. but it's covered on insurance um, for that. So I was taking it for a different reason. You know, sure. So just, yeah. It kind of worked out. Um, again, hopefully I don't get in trouble now. <laughs> no, well, yeah, no, but I understand what you're um, saying. But, but like going further along, um, we did end up kind of downsizing our house. And something that played into that for me um, was knowing we really want to start a family and it might come to the point where we have to pay a lot of money to start yeah. a family. So in the house that we were in before, we couldn't afford to do any of those treatments. Yeah. In this house that we're in now, we could afford, you know, if we needed to, we could afford to save some money back. We, you know, so just trying to kind of keep our, I don't, 
ducks in a row, if you will. Yeah. Um, options open. Listen to all of those. Yeah. Okay, so let's zoom um, back over to you get this positive pregnancy test. And at that point, you're excited because there's just the one baby waiting for you. And um, how long did it take to find out that there was more? So end of November is when I figured out that I was pregnant. December 20th was our first ultrasound. And my husband went with me, we were, you know, in the car and I, of course, crying, we've waited so long to go yes. for this. Like, I just, and I try to let myself get caught up in those moments sometimes. Like, it, it was a beautiful moment. Like, we're driving, who thought that we would be saying right now that we're driving to this appointment where we're going to be able to see our baby? Like, that's amazing. Um, and then we got into the appointment and, you know, Joey's sitting kind of behind me in the room, ultrasound room. And the ultrasound technician walks in, puts the little thing on the wand on my stomach. And the first thing she said was, um, do you have any kids at home? And we're like all giggly, like, oh, no, why? Like, <laughs> she's like, good, because there's three in there. <laughs> we were just like, oh, my. Um, and it was really that quick. Like, yeah, they popped it. up on that's the screen. That's how it was. Wow. Good, because there's three in there. <laughs> Whoa. And then, so, I mean, did you automatically see it on the screen? I didn't know what I was looking at at yeah. first, but then as soon as she said it, like you could see three different bubbles. Wow. Yes. So all of our, <laughs> our babies were tri-tries. So they had their own placenta and their own, oh goodness. Um, I know this. Yes. Sack. Sack and placenta. There okay. you go. Okay. I th well, I remember that from, because you, the last time you told me, <laughs> um, not because I'm some sort of smarty. Uh, anywho, so... So does that mean then that you release three separate eggs? Yes. Okay. So most likely there okay. is a very, and I even, so of course I Googled this to try and figure out yeah. if the boys were identical. Um, and you, Google, you don't really get answers that you're looking for. Yeah. But yeah, it could be. Um, so I asked one of the neonatologists and he even said if the eggs split at the exact time that they should have split, um, that they could be identical, which would mean then I would only have released two eggs, but the it split. Okay. The chance of that happening is very, 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 very slim. So chances are yes, three different eggs. Okay. Were released. And, and but that's what the medicine medicine is designed to do, right? To stimulate it extra. Is. Uh, yeah. I well, mean, but not three. <laughs> I mean, they say three could happen. Um, they kind of talk about, you know, twins could happen and more is very rare. Yeah. And here we are very rare. It <laughs> happened. And we would refer to that like throughout the pregnancy, like something would pop up like, oh, this could happen, but it's very rare. And you're like, and yeah, my I know. Would be like, yeah, very rare. <laughs> like, we already got that one covered. Why, why wouldn't this happen too? So what do they do? I mean, I know what they do when they're telling you you have one baby, but what do they do when they tell you you're having three? So we had, first of all, my husband's face was like in <laughs> shock. I laughed the remainder of the appointment because they don't have their screen set up to where, like normally they just kind of, you know, tap a button and it pops up mm -hmm. like, oh, baby's whatever part that they're looking at. Um, they had to type out the word triplet every time. So every time they would type the word triplet, I would be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> triplets. Um, so I laughed. Um, and then we spent the remainder of the day, like in a daze. But we went through that ultrasound and we're so excited because now we're going to have three kids and how in the world are we going to do this? You know, um, the next part isn't the bat, like 
the best memory. Um, we, you know, go into a room and talk to a doctor, um, and it was someone who we hadn't met before. But, and I, I know they have to do this. They have to make sure that you're, you know, informed. But they walk you into a room and they tell you all of the risks and they ask you if you want to reduce the pregnancy. Um, having three babies is very risky. Um, and you have to ha have that thought process of, you know, I, d I don't know. I don't know to say that they really pushed it, but they talked about it a lot. That potentially, you know, you might want to reduce this pregnancy to two because it's, going to be a healthier pregnancy that I, like I have like a sick feeling in my stomach oh I did too <laughs> you know just the too. idea of and and I'm sure others have made the choice and and it there's no judgment there but but oh gosh I I'm thinking that it probably even if they made that choice wasn't the easiest choice to make oh certainly you know not. and no. I after being told all of the risks I almost get it. Like I do, but it wasn't the choice for us. Yeah. Yeah. We, and now and that's the most important year, thing. Oh yeah. my gosh. Like I could not, it gives, I have goosebumps right now. Just thinking about that, not having one of those babies. Mm -hmm. Like I could not imagine that. Mm -hmm. Um, and there, you know, sometimes not all of the babies are the healthiest and I, that's, it's hard. It's hard to make that decision. Um, not only do they tell you all of these risks now that you're putting your babies at, but you're putting yourself at all of these risks and this and this and this could happen to you. Um, and you have to, you have to make the choice. Um, at that point we were early enough in the pregnancy that we're like, you know, we, I wanted to talk to my husband about it and see what he was thinking. But I always felt like I, I can't make that choice. I, mm -hmm. for me, I can't, say, yep, this one, you know? Um, and then I held it together. Like I said, I was laughing the whole appointment before held it together until we were walking out because then I all of a sudden had this realization of I've waited so long to have this like moment where we get to see our babies. And now it's almost like tainted with, okay, are you going to now reduce your pregnancy? Yeah. Um, in a way, are you almost hurt? Like do you know how long it's taken me to get here? And now, you know, like, it, I don't know. I'm just maybe projecting. Yeah. I mean, I, in the moment I felt like, how could you be saying this? Exactly. Yeah. But thinking about it, they have to tell you of the risks. Of course. You know, yeah. it's their job. Um, we then had an appointment set in Iowa city um, in January. So December 20th, we found out end of January, we had another appointment, um, which we ended up telling our family and everything in there, which is a whole other fun, exciting story. Yes. I love, <laughs> so there's a video you posted on your Facebook and, um, my favorite part of the video is that you, so, um, gosh, remind me cause you, it was something written down that said, licked babies. Yes, plural. It was. So, um, <laughs> it was like, you know, grandpa and grandma, some things are worth the wait, which I think I started talking about. Like yeah. my sister and I kept going back, like it's worth the wait, you know, all of these things are make, it's going to be worth the wait. So, um, that was in our announcement though. It was right around Christmas, um, which it was a little early. And again, with it being a high risk pregnancy, like it was early to kind of tell people, mm -hmm. but we were, going to be seeing people face to face. 
So that was important to us to be able to share that news face to face because they have been waiting too. They knew what we were going through. They had been waiting for seven years also, you know? Um, so it said like grandpa and grandma, some things are worth, worth the wait. Licked babies, plural, due August of 2019. Um, it's funny because as people opened it, they kind of just glazed right over that. Like right. they knew what was happening. Oh my gosh, yeah, you're pregnant. It took us saying, no, like read it out read loud. Read it again. You need read to it read again. it again. Read it out loud. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it would click that it was babies. Oh my gosh, you're having twins. No, guess again. Guess how many? <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun to be able to say that. Um, and just to see oh, the reactions wow. because everyone was so excited. The we reactions were, so were priceless. Yes. Yeah, they were amazing. I just, I was watching it the other day and it was making me teary. I just watching it. And of yeah. course, I'm sitting there trying to be like discreet with the video camera, you know, with my phone, trying to record everything, um, which gave it away also. And when you're like, no, you guys need to open this gift at the same time. People are like, okay, yeah, you're going to have a baby. No, we're going to have three. <laughs> three babies. Now, yes. at this point, did you know the genders? We did not. Okay. No. Um, and even sometimes people can do a blood test with a singleton pregnancy. You can do a blood test even earlier to find out what gender your baby may be. Um, with triplets, that doesn't work. The way that you would be able to do that is they would have to do like more of an invasive thing where they yeah. would, you know, uh, we weren't going to risk that. We're already high risk. Remember, we've been told that <laughs> over and over and over again. Um, so that was around Christmas when we were able to tell everyone, um, end of January, we had this Iowa city appointment and I was hinging so much like on this Iowa city appointment, because if anyone's going to find something that's wrong, it's going to be people in Iowa city. Yeah. And so every, every time like, okay, we can't buy that until the Iowa city appointment and yeah, don't say anything to anyone until the Iowa city appointment. So, yeah. And that was tw the 20 week appointment. Um, no, or that was, that was like earlier? 12 or 13. Okay. Um, where again, we had the ultrasound, got to see everyone, like hear all the heartbeats, how great you're walked into a room again and you get to have that conversation of reducing the pregnancy. Really? Time number two. So, and I, as they're running through all the risks in the middle of that appointment, I started crying and one of the doctors, he was great. Um, Dr. Santillian looked at me and he's like, no, like we're not. And I said, we've already talked about this and it's not for us. And he's like, we, we aren't trying to make you cry right now. Like that's not the purpose of this. And he was the one who kind of rephrased it as we want to just make sure that, you know, and you know, of your options and you know, whatever you choose, we're going to support you with that. So after having that conversation, I felt better about moving forward. Um, we even had to have it one more time, time number three. Because oh I went gosh. to another doctor's office. That one was very quick because I was like, listen, we've, we've had this conversation now three times. It's not for us. It's not going to be the choice that we make. And then it ended there. So we didn't have to go through all of the risks again. But three different times that we had to wow. discuss it in a doctor's office. And it's like, you can just argue both sides of it. You know why they have to do it. But mm -hmm. also, I mean, there you are in the most fragilist of states and such, you're so vulnerable in that moment and no. Yeah. So for him, like I said, for that doctor to like take the moment and recognize like how we were feeling mm -hmm. and to validate how we were feeling, that was huge. Yeah.
Okay, so this this is the 12-week appointment. You've been waiting for this appointment. This mm -hmm. is the appointment that's going to let you be excited. Right. And how does it go? It went well. It went good. You yeah. know, like everyone, they got everyone's heartbeat. Everything was, I, you, I forget what they all measure at that appointment. Um, so are they basically just looking to see that everybody's growing at the same rate? Like what, what are the biggest risks at that stage? Um, I mean, heartbeat, checking for a heartbeat yeah. is one of the biggest, um, obviously. And then checking growth. Okay. Um, and everyone was measuring about where they should be measuring. So that Such was, a huge sigh of relief, yes, right? very much so. Um, and then we rolled into appointments where I did a shared care kind of situation where I was seen in the Quad Cities um, by, again, a great doctor's office. You're probably sick of me saying that. But um, so I would at, at the beginning of the pregnancy, I would go there, you know, two weeks after the Iowa City appointment. And then mm -hmm. two weeks after that appointment, I would go to Iowa City. And then two weeks later, I would be back at Davenport. And then in two weeks later, or Bettendorf, two weeks later, I would be back in Iowa City. Every two weeks, so you every had an two appointment. weeks at the beginning, which I, that was kind of my choice. Yeah. And for peace of mind. Oh, like, 100%. I, I needed to do that. Yeah. Um, because they've just told me of all of these risks and who knows. And are you um, getting an ultrasound at every single appointment? So funny story. You, with a singleton pregnancy, they usually just check for heartbeat. Right, right. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Um, so they listen for heartbeat. With twins? So you only get, you only have the first ultrasound to confirm that you're pregnant, and then you have the 20-week, and yeah, that's about it. Mm -hmm. So how many did you have? So singleton pregnancy, you can hear the heartbeat. Some For twins, they even say they can figure out who's who with a the heartbeat. For three, they can't tell. Mm -hmm. I had <laughs> an just ultrasound. Like bang on right? bang, bang. <laughs> heartbeats everywhere. <laughs> Where's mom's heartbeat? Where's the baby's? So I actually had an ultrasound every time that I went in. I oh, was able man. to see the babies every yeah. time that I went in. And that was very reassuring. And totally. seeing the movement and seeing, you know, being able, most of the time it was just checking for a heartbeat and, you know, checking, they would kind of tell me the position that they were in. Um, and that was it. But I got to see them. They had in Bettendorf this little portable ultrasound um, machine that they would, you know, roll into the room and it was a tiny little screen, but I could still see it. Yeah, so that's all you needed. That's all I needed. <laughs> okay, so that goes on for every every two weeks. Then you make it to the 20-week appointment yeah. and that's when you're going to learn the genders? Yes. Okay. So, and we did where we didn't want to know at the appointment. We, okay. I always swore, like, I will. I didn't want to find out. Like, oh, I want it to be exciting. I don't mm -hmm. want to know. Yeah. When I was thinking that I was going to have one baby. And then all of a sudden you say, oh, you're going to have three. And I was like, that was enough of a surprise. Like, I would like to know genders now. <laughs> I'm like, yep, I need to yep. try and plan for something. And that was what I was going to hang on. I don't know, hang on to, try and figure out. Um, so we had them write down the genders in, the, in an envelope, put it in an envelope. Um, during that appointment, it was like a two and a half hour appointment. Because they had to measure... Yes. Everyone's femurs, every, you know, yeah. all of these things that they had to measure. Um, and, and everybody's got to cooperate. Everybody's yes. got to be in the right position. Yeah. And <laughs> at the beginning of my little Iowa City journey, um, I had agreed to having students in on my case. I was like, you know what? Who knows during their, you know, as they're going through these different portions of their education, 
how many times they're going to have access to uh, triplet pregnancy. Exactly. So I was like, why not? Like, sure. And I was like, <laughs> I'll turn in myself a, into a lab rat. I was That'd be involved great. in a study. Like they <laughs> took extra blood every time. Like, so I was like, why not? Like this doesn't always happen, you know? And I asked, they said three, like three to five times a year, they see triplets. Um, which when you think about it, that's still a lot. Three to five times a year? I mean, but it's, they service, if it happens anywhere around oh, I here, see. like anywhere, like I want to say they even go up to Wisconsin. Like when you look at the area that they service, it's a huge area. Okay. And they're referred to Iowa City. And then usually they have the choice. Do you want to, you know, continue your care through Iowa City? Do you want to go back to where you're from? Um, where I just, I did my whole pregnancy I chose to be with Iowa City. So Mm -hmm. um, they don't always see the pregnancy through, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, So, yes. So I had a student in for my growth ultrasound who was doing the ultrasound. So I think it might have taken a little bit longer than it really. Yeah. But But that's okay. They were learning. Yeah. When else are you going (laughs) to learn this? Here's here's an option. So, and everything looks great. No, there's no concerns. They, everything is just cruising right yeah, along. They said that they are 99% sure that they got the genders correct because that was my worry. Like there's three of them in there. Everyone has to be in the right position. Right. Like you're saying, what if like something was missed and I, <laughs> we're going to have this gender reveal and we're going to, you know, decorate the nursery. And what if, what if it's not right? Yeah. Um, but they said 99% sure. So then people were like, well, you know, it's all boys then, right? Because, you know, that's pretty, you can be 99% sure if it's all boys, because what you're looking yes. for is a little bit easier to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, oh my gosh, who, three boys. I couldn't wrap my head around that either. <laughs> um, so we, you know, pass off this envelope and have this gender reveal. And my husband was so excited. He was the one who decided what we were going to do. And yeah. I said before, he's into cars. Our whole families are into cars. We did a burnout gender reveal. So um, we had, you know, packets of powders on set in front of the rear tire. And a burnout was done. And it threw out the smoke of whatever color, blue yeah. or pink. Um, so the first car goes. And it's blue and it's, you know, and we're excited and it's just kind of a different experience because in most gender reveals, that's it. That's it. Okay. Yay. A boy. (laughs) And you can see, we have a video of that up too. And you can see like everyone's face is like, okay, yay, a boy. Let's move on to the next one. (laughs) You know, like we just kind of cheer and then walk on to the next car and the next car goes car number two and it's blue. How exciting. Um, And so now you're like, okay, that three boy thing really is going to happen. Three boys. And, you know, it was, they did it in the order. So they label the triplets A, B, and C. Okay. Um, And every time that I went in, it was A, B, and C was the same triplet. And there's a way that they, they name them and know who's who. Um, (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) A is on the right side, right lower. B is on the left lower and then C was up top. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the way they name all the triplet pregnancies. Um, And so A was a boy, B was a boy. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm having three boys. And then my husband actually did the last car. Um, You know, we thought how, how fun. Um, He gets to do this last car, this last burnout. And he gets in there and we had the camera we put the gopro on the dash so that you could see his reaction like Mm -hmm. that's what we wanted to get is we wanted to get the reaction of every 
everything in the motion, you know? Um, and he goes and it throws out pink smoke. And we're like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> two boys and a girl. And you can just, you, on the video, you hear my husband do a little laugh and it is the cutest thing. And like, we wouldn't have had that moment. Like I yeah. would have never known of that moment if we didn't put that little GoPro in there. Like it was, I don't know. That's one of my favorite parts of the video. And like just having that realization of, okay, like two boys and a girl, yeah. we're going to, and we weren't planning on having more kids after the three. So <laughs> we have, <laughs> this is our family. Mixture, right? Yeah. Is that the point when it's like really, really real? Or was there another point that things were really, really real? Um, I, the van moment. Oh my gosh. That was early. <laughs> that was before we knew genders. Even we swore we would never, ever, ever be van people. <laughs> And here we are. <laughs> you recorded a little video yes. where you're sitting in the van and you pan the camera off to the side and you're like, and now I'm picturing three little car seats in the van. And now I realized I'm going to have three babies in this van. Let me tell you, that was like, I cried. Like, we were test driving this car and we even got out early from school that day because of weather. So we should not have been test driving vehicles. But here <laughs> we are because my husband <laughs> drove me in when it was bad weather. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, being protective of his babies and of me um so he picked me up and he's like well let's let's go look at vans and I had a charger that I loved um that I had to trade in for the van so I was having a little bit of a tough time with that yes and um so we're test driving this van and I kid you not I get teary-eyed and like I can picture <laughs> these like, car seats I, back yeah. here and you know road trips and singing along in the car and all of that so that was an emo that was Honestly, my first real emotional moment was this van situation. Like, what is that? <laughs> and I bet you're so glad that at that moment that you thought to pick up your phone and record that video. Because yes. it really was very, very raw. <laughs> you know, you, you almost can see the wheels turning in your eyes oh my, in that video. Right. Yes. There were, there were some more moments where that kind of happened. Mm -hmm. Like, just trying to figure out how to place three cribs in one room. Yeah. Our house that we have now, I mean, we have the way that it works the best is for them all to be in the same room with the house that we have right now. Um, and it's big enough. And how do you make that work? And how do you get dressers in there? So my husband ended up turning the closet into like a little nook and like, here are where the dressers are. And, um, walking into the room, we would just walk into the room and look and be like, oh my gosh, there are three cribs in here. And then once we knew genders, we mm -hmm. picked out the bedding. And then once, you know, we talked about names, we had signs for their names, which the two boys, we were easy. It was easier to pick out the names. The girl name was a struggle for us. <laughs> like it took forever really? for us to pick out the girl name. Who knew? Luckily we only had to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at what point now do they, because when you get to 20 weeks, normally you're not thinking about delivery anytime soon, but for you, they probably are now starting to talk about delivery, right? So I, yes. And I knew in Iowa City, there were preemie twins born at 22 weeks. Whoa. Once and survived. Once, like that was a big milestone. Once I hit 22 weeks, I was like, okay, here's the thing. Like, babies have been born and they have survived. And I know it doesn't, oh, I mean, unfortunately babies born that early, it doesn't always happen that way. But every week beyond that 22 mark, it was like, okay, it could be yeah. any time. I could go in at any time right now. Um, Is that the first time you ever felt quote unquote safe? Yes. 
or did you never feel safe? Um, well, you know, I, it was reassuring knowing that the medical care in Iowa city could potentially handle it. Did mm -hmm. I want to have no. to handle it? No, I did not want to go through that. Um, and I will say we made it to 34 weeks. I didn't go into labor. It was kind of planned. Um, we were hoping to go until 36 weeks, which I was very vocal about because that, you know, was the end goal that they told me at the beginning of the pregnancy was we will not let you go past 36 weeks. Um, so I, we ended up having a date 36 weeks fell on a Sunday and we couldn't have it on a Sunday. So it just made me laugh. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I had that realization of, okay, this is like their job. Like they aren't just going to come in on a Sunday because I want to wait until 36 weeks. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we picked the date of seven 11 because how fun is it to say, Oh, my birthday seven 11, you know, um, as we kept getting closer to the end and me not knowing, like there were times where I would have some Braxton Hicks things going on and I have never had a baby before. I don't know. Do yeah. we drive to Iowa City right now? Like I, there was a stress there always, like not knowing if like, okay, do we drive? Um, at one point my husband was like, you like, how about you just go and stay in Iowa City? Like we'll get a hotel room. Right. You just stay out there. If you feel like you need to go, just go to the hospital because it's an hour drive. Um, which could make a big difference. And if, you know, people will talk about how they didn't really know that they were in labor until they got to the hospital and they were seven centimeters. <laughs> right. I don't want to, like, nope. I don't have time like for that to happen. I right. have to drive an hour once I figure out that it's happening. Um, so, um, we ended up towards the end of the pregnancy. I was showing some precursors for preeclampsia, um, at 30, let me think I would have been 33, my 33 week appointment my blood pressure was a little high. Um, and I didn't really, you know, whatever it's a little high, it's fine. And then as I, she was a little worried about it, wanted to move the date up to July 2nd. And, you know, I wasn't a fan of that because I wanted to go as long as I could mm -hmm. and seven 11 is going to be the birthday. Um, and then we left that appointment knowing that it was going to be moved up to July 2nd. As I was driving home, and of course, so my mom went with me for that appointment, and I needed to control something, so I was driving. So here's my, you know, 33-week pregnant self driving my mom and I back home. Um, I get a phone call, and I started bawling. Luckily, there was a exit ramp right there, but there was, I forget what it was, something else. It might have been, like, the protein in my urine or something that they checked, and she's like, you need to come back tomorrow and you're going to stay until um, June 30th when you're going to have these babies. And I, you know, am very upset. My mom, like, didn't even say anything. Like, we just got out of the car and switched. And having that stress of, like, okay, now we're moving it up again and you're going to stay in the hospital until this date and you're going to have them on this date. So I came back for observation the next day. And eventually they're like, okay, you can head home. <laughs> oh, what? my bags are packed. Like yeah. we're waiting to switch to our room. They're like, nope, it couldn't have been the protein in the urine. There was some second factor that made her feel like we needed to okay. be observed and stay in the hospital. Um, but they're like, no, your blood pressure has been fine. Like you, I, we don't see a reason for you to stay here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. What a roller coaster. So we went home and still kept that July 2nd date. And of course, over the weekend I was feeling better. And I'm sending messages like, 
I feel better and my blood pressure was better and they sent me home and can we just not move up the date to July 2nd? Can we push it to July 11th? Like we had planned. Um, and they emailed or emailed, sent me a message back and said, no, you, <laughs> we now have the protein in your urine. It is elevated. You have all of these things that are precursors to preeclampsia, which is very scary. And one mm-hmm. of the biggest risks that they talk about, um, the study that I was involved in actually was about preeclampsia in okay. pregnancy. Um, my mom also had, I think that might've been it. My mom had preeclampsia when I was born. Okay. So like a family history, like all of these things are going off. My message was a very clear, no, that's not going to happen for you. You're coming Mm -hmm. in on the second. Um, and luckily I made it to the second without going into labor and having that stress. So you made though, so many of your goals. You, when I first met you, was that, that wasn't trying to think of what month that was. Was that May? Yeah, because, well, the school year was almost over, so it was June. But you just, you had so many of these goals that you were trying to meet, and you kept making them one after another, after another, after another. Like, you you beat the odds so many different times. I had a doctor, one of the doctors walked in, and she was like, I can't believe how well this is going for you. Yeah. I was like, oh, thanks. And then I was like, wait a second. (laughs) What do you mean by that? Like, you're surprised at how well I'm doing? Like, that? I don't know. I I don't know that my pregnant self took a little offense to that, I think. Like, I don't know (laughs) what I was thinking, but I was like, no, like, have some faith here. Like, we're, things are going well. And that was it. Like, every time I would have an appointment, I was able to walk out and be like, oh, things went well. Things Mm -hmm. went good. Um, They weren't worried about anything, you know, and that doesn't always happen. And at the beginning of the pregnancy, we didn't think that was going to happen because it was pretty clear about all the risks that could happen, you know? Right. Wow. Yeah. Um, so when I met you, like you, I don't think at any point in your pregnancy, you really looked like you had three babies in there. Did you feel like you had three babies in there? That's nice of you. (laughs) I started saying that like, yes, I felt like I had three babies in me because (laughs) you felt you had good seven. (laughs) Yes. And people kept saying like, Oh, you look great. And I'd be like, um, I don't like, I don't, I don't feel like, I feel like I'm huge. So, (laughs) but I became like aware of just saying thank you. Yeah. And looking back, I don't think that I, I mean, towards the end, yes, I, I looked pretty big, but um, I don't think I looked as pregnant as I felt. Sure. Looking back, yeah. hindsight, you know. Um, so I just the, my skin stretching, I think was the biggest thing that yeah. was the most painful. Um, and I mean, my back hurt, my joints hurt, um, my body ached but I feel like that's normal. Well, like you were doing this all in that. like the major heat of the summer too. Yes. Which I didn't. Is a pretty I brutal actually had time. that realization. <laughs> I was talking to my husband this last, it was this last week and I <laughs> kind of had a, I did, I had a crying moment about it. And I was like, I have not been outside in months. Like I didn't go outside the end of my pregnancy. I haven't really gone outside now. And he's like, if you want to go outside, go outside. Like if you want to go to the mall and walk around, I'll watch the kids go yeah. to the mall and walk around. And he's like, what, do you want to go outside and pull weeds? I was like, yes, actually, they're driving me crazy back there. <laughs> so I went outside and pulled weeds this past weekend. Like, that was just a whole, like, yeah. having that realization that you hadn't been outside for a very long time Yeah, um, was crazy. And while we were in the NICU, that was something we joked. Like, my sister, I, and I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, 
Um, but we joked like Tuesdays and Fridays were my days that I got out of the NICU. <laughs> like, oh, oh it's gosh. Friday. You need to get out. <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah. So, so now you, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you elected that you wanted to have a C-section. That you, that was one of those things that they offered you a choice about, right? Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. So they ran through, again, the risks of different things and what mm -hmm. could happen. And I had the choice to do a C-section or to do a vaginal birth. I chose C-section just because there seemed to be a lot fewer risks with that. Um, Were people weird about that with you? I've had two C-sections, and I feel like when people found out I was scheduling my second one, there was a little bit like, really? I, I know. you know, if they're, they were weird about it, yeah. I was like, listen, there are three in there. <laughs> what? Yeah. You're not going to tell me what to do with this. You right, know? right. Um, and I would, there were times where I would go into, well, they say that, you know, at any second, any one of them could flip. And I'm going to end up in a C-section anyway. And right. now we're I'm not trying to have, to have double births right and now. now. Yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. Two. Recovery from one a was A birth enough. sampler. No, thank you. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so you, so you already know how they're going to come into the world. Because yes. that's already been decided. So you've got, like, a full plan already mapped out. Yes. So you go that day that... Um, okay, so the night before you had the surgery... Can you, do you remember where your mindset was the night before? I, I was freaking out before ever out. it came. I was really upset and I was particularly upset because we had to drop Abram off at oh. my mother-in-law's house. And the, 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 the act of dropping him off and knowing that I was going to rock his little world and I was going to go and do this thing. Time, how much is it like going really, to change? it just really, I still, it, it, that feels so, so fresh to me still that, I don't know, some, it, it was just, it just felt different knowing what was going to come the next day. Because with Abram, like, I didn't know what was going to happen when. Mm -hmm. But in this case, so, so I can only imagine how you felt knowing that the next day you were having triplets. <laughs> and I would keep saying things like, oh, the next time that we do this, we're going to have three babies. Yeah. And I, I remember, like looking at my dogs and being like, oh gosh, like you don't know what's going to happen. Like when we come back. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I just remember thinking that like I need to go out to supper right now because I, the next time that I go, like I'm home and decide that I'm going to go out to supper, it's going to look very different than yeah. what it does right now. But then at the same time, how cool that was, like how cool the next day, like in the matter of minutes, in the span of five minutes, how much your life changes. Uh -huh. So I, I don't know. It was the anticipation of everything. Plus I really f was feeling some Braxton Hicks contractions okay. that day. And I was like, am I going to have these babies today? Like, do we just, should we go? Um, Joey was also very <laughs> worried about it. He was just very, very worried about a mm -hmm. lot of things throughout the pregnancy and wanted things to be okay. And didn't, you know, just, it, it makes you a little anxious, makes everyone a little anxious. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So, um, walk me through the surgery procedure. I mean, I know what it's like when they pull one baby out of you, but so how does it, how does it go? There's the three little, little plastic bins in the room and they just start filling them up. So, <laughs> you know, I, and I walking in like, I'm, 
I don't need a wheelchair. I'm going to walk into this <laughs> surgery, um, which into the surgery, obviously they wheeled me in, but walking like through the hospital and like that thought was crazy when I was walking and went to that bed and realized the next time that I stand up, I'm not going to have three babies in mm-hmm. my belly anymore. Um, I had no idea what it would feel like to stand up again after that surgery. Holy cow. But um, So I got wheeled back um, and they had told Joey, you know, in 20 minutes, we'll come and get you. We're going to get the, they do the spinal tap and um, all of that. And 20 minutes passed and they still hadn't come to get Joey. Um, my sister was in the room with him um, and could tell that he was, silently kind of <laughs> panicking yeah. Um, just because it wasn't like they said this was going to happen. It's been way longer than 20 minutes. Um, they had to do my spinal twice. It just, they said the first time it must've been in a ligament and obviously we want to make sure everything is numb where it yes, needs to be ma'am. numb. <laughs> um, so they had to do it twice. So that just took a little bit longer. So there was a little bit added stress there. Um, that's not the most pleasant thing to go through. I remember our nurse sat like, you know, you have to kind of put your arms on this little thing right. and lean forward. And a nurse sat like nose to nose with me and like had normal conversation with me. And then she could tell I started to panic when things weren't going how they should go. Um, and like she sat there and she talked me through it. She's like, wow. this is OK. Like they're going to get it. And then would try to distract me. And I <laughs> was not having that. And then would come back to think this is going to be OK. They do this. This is their job. Um so then Joey comes in, they start the surgery, um, they hold up the first baby, you know, crying baby, and there's that sigh of relief of, oh my gosh, this first baby is here. So did they know which one they were getting out? Because they, they knew who was A, B, and C. So did they, do they go for A first or do, what are they? You know, I, I know that it can change. It can change when the babies are born, A and B, since they're kind of down lower, yeah. can change. Okay. Um, for us, it didn't. Um, and I should mention, as we were wheeled into the room, they have a triplet room in Iowa City, and it's <laughs> new within the last couple of years. Cool. Um, so, you know, you walk in and you see the three different beds, and this is where, here are the three different teams for each of these babies. Oh, whoa. Um, okay. And, you know, there's a team for me. Um, and then where I was, I could look up and I could see a screen and they had it a split screen so that I could see where all three babies were once they were out and I could see them, you know, getting wiped down and I could see them working on them. Um, so that was really cool. At first we thought that we had to like, like, okay, you can only see this baby at this time, but Mm -hmm. they were like, no, we can do a split screen. Like, this is a great thing about this room. Um, all these features. Um, so, uh, they, you know, into the surgery, hold up the first baby crying, you know, kind of, they drop the curtain a little bit. It's, you know, the blue curtain, they drop it down. It's kind of clear. My husband was not fond of seeing what was on the other side of the curtain. Um, The whole message. (laughs) He was not, (laughs) not okay with that. Yeah. It was something that he did not want to see in his Mm -hmm. lifetime. Um, So they hold up the first baby crying, you know, oh, yay, first baby's here. And then you have like that instant, like, okay, this baby's out and this baby's crying. What about the next one? Mm-hmm. Um, they pull the next baby out, kind of, you know, and it's it's hard to see. Did you, like, was it hard for you to see the baby when yes. they first came out? Yeah, and in particular because you're laying you're laying back, but you're actually at a, like a decline. Mm-hmm. So, so in all the pictures of me, I'm like craning my neck <laughs> up, 
like this and because you're trying to like you're trying to look up but like look up almost like 60 degrees or something so yeah it was very hard to see okay. so I'm not the only one <laughs> no, no and uh, yeah that's why I look so stupid at in all one the point <laughs> one of the babies when they held the baby up kind of smeared on the the clear part which I don't think you would normally notice right because you don't then have another baby lifted up and see mm-hmm. oh like look at that like smear from the one that just happened before <laughs> so it was kind of like ooh, like but again so second baby comes out cries sigh of relief worries about the next baby mm-hmm. third baby comes out cries and then it was finally like oh my gosh like they're all here um and I could see them all you know, at their own little stations with their own little teams. Um, and at one point I remember saying, why, why isn't that one moving? Like I was so like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, and it just, the baby was fine. Like, <laughs> And, um, at one point Lincoln let out the highest pitched squeal ever. Like it was like everyone in the operating room was like, Oh my gosh, like what just happened? But he, and it was just him crying, but it was so high pitched. <laughs> um, so that was a fun memory, I guess. Um, and then they continued my surgery and my husband had the option to go and be with the babies, um, which we had or- originally, originally talked that that's what he was going to do. Um, and he ended up staying with me and I, I remember I was kind of, I, my arms were shaking really bad. They say that that's from the anesthesia, like yeah. different things were happening. And I was so thankful that he stayed with me. We could see what was happening with the babies, you know, um, did he cut they, three umbilical cords? Negative. Oh, did he they? Did oh, he just didn't want to. He was offered. Oh, <laughs> he, and I don't yeah, blame him. I totally don't blame and him. And he, so <laughs> then he could go over and see where the babies were, well, where the stations were, was on the other side of that tarp. He declines that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, I'll stay here. And again, I was panicking. So I think he realized that and wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that I was also okay. These people have, you know, each of the babies had a medical team on them. Like they will be okay also. Um, and then they started wheeling the babies out to go to the NICU as they were finishing my surgery. Um, as they brought each of them over so I could see them one more time before they went to the NICU. Um, and then Joey ended up leaving and going to the NICU with the babies. Um, they finished my surgery. I went into recovery. I think that was the hardest part was I couldn't, like the babies weren't in the room with me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't go and see the babies because I was not well enough. I didn't realize how much of a recovery it kind of takes. Yeah. Um, so how long was it before you got to go down there and see them? Let's think. I want to say it was probably five or six hours. Okay. Which in the scheme of things is not that long. And I've heard stories of people not being able to see for longer, uh-huh. you know, and I, it just, it has to be so hard. It's so hard. Um, I was actually on a different floor because the unit was full on the same floor of the NICU. Um, so I was on the third floor and needed to get up to the sixth floor. Um, and so that involved getting out of bed, getting into a wheelchair, going up, in the elevator, going yeah. over the bumps in the hallway, going over the bumps in the elevator, um, and going to the NICU. Um, the first time that I was going up there, Joey was like, okay, you know, pick up the phone and tell them that you're here because of security things. Tell them you're that right. you're here to see the like triplets. And I like was crying just at having, being able to say that and like, oh my gosh, I'm going to see the babies. Like it was, 
something else and you walk in and you have to wash your hands and sanitize and there's yeah. a whole process. I mean, and it's something that you realize when you have babies in the NICU is germs are like a real thing and how, just how sick the different little babies are and yeah. how, how much you have to work to protect them. Um, Let's talk about the fact that you, um, so like the first time you stand up after having a C-section, mm. that's brutal mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, you've like, you just feel completely put together wrong. Mm -hmm. Like your whole body feels so bad. Yes. (laughs) It's a rough, it's a rough recovery for sure. For sure. And I was kind of told that and I was like, oh, things will be fine. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be fine. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It was rough. It was uh, hard. And, you know, when they push on your belly to make sure that you're not, you know, um, bleeding out and like they would tell me that that's what they were doing when yeah. they were pushing on my belly and I kept saying like oh I've done things much worse than that today like I just had three babies as the pain medicine wore off I became to believe them pushing on my belly was the worst thing that I had oh done God, like it's it just so bad. it hurt yeah. so bad and I didn't know about that part by the way if you're going to have a baby there's a little part where they push on your belly it's for your safety but it really hurts <laughs> yeah and they do it a couple of times a day um I, the first hour it was four times they did it four times in the first hour. And then after that, it kind of dials back. I think it was like every two hours and then it was every four hours. And like, I made sure every time that they would leave, I'd be like, okay, how, what am I to, how many hours do I have to do this? Mm-hmm. I think it was for the first 48 hours that they came in for me. Ugh. Um, and part of that was just my uterus was stretched so far. Okay. Um, and that was one of the big risk factors, you know, that they said that your uterus could rupture and you could basically just all the terrible things that could happen. Yeah. Um, which is one of the factors that led us into being in Iowa city, just in case anything would happen. Yeah. Yeah. If anything's going to happen, that's major. They're going to take me or the babies to Iowa city. So why not just be there so that we're ready? (laughs) We're there. And these health professionals are here. Right. Who can deal with these things. So standing up is awful. Getting the belly pressed on is awful. The other awful thing about having a C-section is the first time that they take your bandage off and you see like your incision. Did you look? I didn't look. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was, it was horrifying. It was horrifying. And what's weird is since I've had two, so the first one, I don't remember being as horrified, but the second time, I don't know if it's because there was like, you know, scar tissue left over from the first and just, you know, things are just (laughs) uh, not factory original or something. But I remember they went like, okay, so your incision looks good. And I was like, you think that looks good? (laughs) Because there was just like a lot of like bumps and like flesh. And it just, like, it wasn't, like, flat or smooth. It was, like, very Frankenstein sewing style thing. you that I did not look. Oh, my gosh. I, I was horrified. I was absolutely horrified. I had, my husband and my mom both said, oh, like, that doesn't look that bad. I can't believe that, you know, three babies <laughs> came through that, like, yeah. little incision. Well, like, yeah, because it's surprised. only, like, that long. It's I not very like, long. Okay, good. I'm glad it looks good. <laughs> I didn't look at it for a long time. Oh, no. I didn't touch yeah. it for a long time either. I know. <laughs> I, I know. Nope. It's awful. It's awful. So um, you were able to go see the babies after like five or six hours, but how long before you could actually hold them? I actually held them that night. Oh, okay. I held one of, I held Lincoln that night. Um, We gave, let me think. Yeah. I I think Joey gave Kelly a bottle. Okay. I think that he held Dominic as well. Um, 
So Walking. I guess we should tell people, um, so what were their birth weights and like what was the initial like status of, of their health at the moment that they were born? So I don't think I completely have my head wrapped around okay. yet. Um, Kelly was for two, Lincoln was for nine, okay. Dominic was for 12. But these are great birth weights for yes, triplets. Yes, they are. Um, and that was another one of my goals yeah. was to make it to four pounds like, for each of them. <laughs> um, so Also, a little round of applause. You carried more than 12 pounds of baby. I know, right? So, that was yeah, a lot. Go you. I, <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually put one of them in a carrier the other day and was walking around with the baby in the carrier, like one of the ones yeah. that you strapped to yourself. And, um, I realized like that was less weight than what I was carrying <laughs> with the three babies and yeah. my hips and my like back were already hurting. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, this is flashing me back to that fun time. <laughs> um, so yes, tw- like, yeah, almost what? 14 pounds of baby. Um, I can't do That's math amazing. right now. Let's That's face amazing. it. Um, but walked in, I just remember walking into the NICU for the first time and I was tearful one because I'm meeting my kids for the first time. Like when we were in the operating room, I felt like that didn't really count. Like sure. I, yeah. they were wheeled past and I was like, you know, Hey, like you didn't have that moment. <laughs> nice, nice to see you. See you, <laughs> see you a little bit. Um, so I, like I said, cried a little bit because it was the first time I got to see my kids cried a lot um more so because you walk into this room and you see the babies with all of the tubes you see Callie had an IV in her head because all of the veins in her hands and her feet were blown because they couldn't get the IV started which is something that happens with preemies like that that happens and you know but when you walk in and look at your babies with all the tubes and all the um two of them had the CPAP machines they weren't on oxygen um, so they didn't have like those tubes down their throat, but they had, you know, stuff taped up by their, on their face and, and G tubes and the IVs and everything. And, and they're just, so tiny and they're tiny and walking in and seeing your little babies, like going through that, that was so hard for me. Um, I was in my mind, it was, I was going to be a, like, just very excited and happy and everything when I first saw them. And I had that moment of like, these babies are sick. Like they, yeah. Here are the risk factors kind of in front of me. Like yeah. This is what this they were telling me. Yeah. I knew that this was going to happen. And they told me, you know, this is, we planned on being in the NICU, but seeing it, it, there was almost a little bit of guilt there too. You know, I didn't want my babies to have to go through that. Yeah. But they, I mean, they did okay. They, but were they saying that everybody was healthy? They were. Yeah. Um, and at first with the CPAP, even like it was dialed back. Um, actually we ended up having to increase that as time went on, but right at first it was okay. Um, they just had a little extra flow going on. So yeah, I, it was, it was just something else walking in and that the idea that you can't walk in and just pick up your baby and hold your baby Mm -hmm. or walk around with your baby. That Mm -hmm. was hard. We couldn't walk around with the babies until they were discharged from the hospital. Well, and meanwhile, you're recovering from a major abdominal surgery too. So like you want to be there for them, but at the same time, you're not whole yet either, mm-hmm. you know? So I only went one time every day that I was in recovery. So for the first three days that I was in the hospital for recovery, um, I only went one time to see them. 
and like one time each day. Okay. Um, first day was very short. You know, I was in pain. They tell me I need a rest, but I want to see my babies. You're not going to tell me I'm not going to see my babies. I'm going to see my babies. Went back second day, kind of the same thing. Third day, I second day went better. Like I was like, Oh, this is, you know, tomorrow I'm going to come up two times Mm -hmm. and I'm going to see them twice. Um, I woke up on the morning of the third day and I was in a lot of pain. Um, and they had told me, well, you, you overdid it yesterday. Um, you need to take it easy today and suggested that I thought about, you know, just staying kind of in my room and like, it wasn't like they were telling me I couldn't see my babies, but they were like, you know, you really need to take it easy. Um, so I was like, fine, I won't go twice today. I'll just go once. Um, so I went that one time on the third day. And as I was sitting there, it was about 20 minutes and my feet completely ballooned up. And like, I was having all of these things. Like I felt kind of a little funny, you know, a little funny. And I started crying and I was holding Dominic. And I just remember saying like, I just want to be up here, but I know I have to go back down. Um, And just how bad I wanted to be up there. And my husband was like, remember this because someday you might be in the bathroom, like hiding from the kids and just hoping that they like go and do their own thing. Remember how bad you want to see them right now. because It won't always be this way. Probably. Yeah. Um, you might feel like you need some space, even though right now you don't want that space. So, um, I went back down and I ended up having elevated blood pressure and, um, they, I had to be on blood pressure medicine after that. And the whole preeclampsia stuff was coming back. Okay. And I was trying to, in the talk of it, I was like, well, do I need to stay one more day? Because I was going to be discharged after those three days, but obviously the babies were not. Right. There wasn't a room open at Ronald McDonald house, which is what we kind of thought we would do. Um, the babies were in bay two, three is what it's called. Um, they have like a bay one, which is the most intensive care that you provide for the babies. Those are the most sick babies that go into bay one. Our babies were in bay two, three. Um, where you can't stay with them. Uh, so they were staying in the hospital. We couldn't stay with them. I wanted to stay with them. They're my babies. Um, the Iowa city hospital has an agreement with the Heartland, uh, hotel in Iowa city where you can go there and stay for like $15 a night or whatever, so that you're still within a close distance Mm -hmm. to the hospital. Um, so I was hoping, you know, with this high blood pressure popping up. Maybe I get an extra night where I'm going to stay here and be closer to the babies. Um, they didn't go for that. (laughs) So I was discharged. (laughs) We ended up staying at the Heartland and I will tell you, I did not realize how low normal toilets were. And like when you're in the hospital, you have the hospital bed that you can like sit up and then get out of bed. When you're at a hotel, you don't have that option. And we didn't have a recliner to sleep in. And that was a rough night. Joey would like, push me up. Like I would be like, okay, I have to get up like and use the restroom or I have to get up and pump. And I remember he would like, just try and help me as much as he could get up. And I would like, I was in tears. It hurt so bad. Um, luckily, so that was day four after four days, we got a phone call that the babies could be moved to level six, which is over in the children's hospital. Um, so they were doing well, you know, that's fantastic news. When they're moved to the children's hospital, you can stay with them. Um, they have, you know, pull out couches. They have a recliner that you can sleep in, which I was so excited about. <laughs> um, so the first night, 
they had a one bed room open and then they had a twin room that was going to be open the next day. Um, so we got to choose who got to have their own room. They unfortunately don't have a triplet room um, where all of the babies could be in the same room together. So that was a little tough. Um, but we decided Callie would get her own room. So she moved over to her own room. Um, so we were able to stay the night there then. Um, the next day, the boys came over. So when they were in the twin room together, um, which, I mean, you think, well, how hard is it just to put all three babies in the same room? But when you look at what they're hooked up to and all of the monitors and yeah. all of the stuff that they have to have handy in case something were to happen to the babies, you like you start to understand why yeah. there are only, like, you can't just wheel someone in, you know? Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, we started I, for the next three weeks, I lived at the hospital. Um, and, had, you know, it's like a whole new world. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you kind of get sucked into it. Um, like I said before, I laughed. My sister was like, okay, it's Tuesday. You need to get out. Like, or you need to walk outside to go to the cafeteria, which that didn't happen for a while either. I was wheeled to the cafeteria just because walking a long distance oh yeah it's very hard different cafeterias are open at different times you might have to walk across the hospital mm -hmm. um so are you meeting other families while you're in the NICU or like what like what is a day like in there I it almost it seems like it would be lonely um I knew of one other family that was there um and I had known her from high school oh wow so yeah just it happened that we were all kind of in That's there at the same so time random isn't it yeah um, but for us, we were so busy having three babies in there. Like I, I wondered at one point <laughs> what it would be like if we just had one baby, mm -hmm. but we had three babies where, um, you know, we would stay, I would switch every other night. First of all, Joey stayed the first week. My husband stayed the first week with us in the NICU after they were born. Um, he had to go back to work. Yeah. So, and we had talked about it, like the time that you hopefully will be able to take off. Isn't this time when we have a full hospital staff that can help us? It's right. going to be it's when be we later. come home and have to figure all of this stuff out on our own. Makes total sense. So um, thank goodness my sister was able to stay with me. So she actually came up before the babies were born and kind of hung out and um, spent some time with us. And she is a school teacher in Kansas City. Um, so she was on summer break. Good timing. Um, and she... She would stay during the week with me and Joey would come up and visit every night. On the weekend, she would go and stay at our house with the dogs and Joey would come to the NICU and stay the weekend. Wow. So they kind of switched on and off. Um, but we would, I mean, sit there and the two boys were on one feeding schedule. Callie was on a different schedule. So, you know, we would go at eight o'clock and we would feed Callie and that takes about an hour. And then at nine o'clock, it's the boys. So we, you know, would have to decide if the boys were going to eat, which is a whole nother story, um, through a bottle or through the NG tube, um, and then who was going to feed them. And then the next hour was a rest hour, but I needed to pump. So then I would pump. And then guess what? It was time to maybe grab something to eat for a half an hour, which didn't usually happen. We usually ended up like having to step away completely and let, you know, it's okay if you miss a feeding. Yeah. Um, yeah which I was lucky that I got to stay. A lot of people aren't able to stay because of their jobs or um, a big thing is you can't stay with other children. 
Like yeah. siblings can come and visit, but you cannot stay overnight typically right. with those children. Um, and I get it, but we, I mean, I was all in, I was able to be all in. Mm-hmm. I was all in. Um, we laughed a lot. So that was good. My sister swears <laughs> that that's part of what helps the babies, you know, kind of yeah. get, get stronger and get healthier faster. She's like, it's because we laugh. Being, <laughs> yeah. And being surrounded by happiness and mm-hmm. yeah. Which it's not always easy. Yeah. Sometimes I would fall into the, this isn't how it's supposed to be. This really? isn't. Yes. Um, what kind this of, what, what bothered you? Cause I mean, it sounded like everything was going so, so well. And it did. But when you think about normally when someone has a baby, they get to take the baby home. And I yeah. like, I get to, you, when you take, have a baby, you can walk over to the baby and you can pick the baby up and cuddle them whenever you want. Um, without all of these tubes. And you can, I mean, the biggest thing was walking around the room with them. We had to stay within this three foot radius of their isolate or their crib because of all of the stuff that they were hooked to. Okay. Which I know they're for their safety, but I would fall into that. Like, this isn't how it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. You know, why is this, why is this happening? Did you Almost feel like a woe is me? Did you feel disconnected from them? Was it hard to bond to the babies when you weren't able to have that physical connection with them? Um, I was, no. No. I mean, we would, we were able to hold them. We Uh were. They encouraged wholly doing skin to skin and, you know, talked about how important that was. Um, I, at first, they're so small. Like, they're so, in my mind, they were so fragile and I was going to break them and, I, you know, needed someone to help me get them out of the isolate because I wasn't comfortable getting them out myself. Um, and then my husband started being like, no, like, I think I can do this. And he, he would get them out on his own. So we, I had a little saying when we were in there, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be brave like dad. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get you out on my own and I don't need a nurse to help me get you out and I'm going to cuddle you and I'm going to make that choice. Um, so as time went on and we got more comfortable and also, I mean, the babies got stronger. I mean, as that happened, um, it started to feel more normal. normal. Yeah. Um, it's but weird how when they get stronger, you're kind of along the same lines, getting more comfortable and it's like you're growing together. Yes. And I joke, I mean, we used to be so careful with them. Like, and uh, don't get me wrong. We are still so careful. Uh, say what? Let me be clear. <laughs> we are still very careful with them. But, like, we'll be like, oh, yeah, here. Like, hand me that baby. I joke. I'm like, yeah. We're like, oh, toss me that baby over there. They need burps. Like, just how, like, <laughs> how much things have changed as we've gotten comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And kind of fallen into the roles of being the mom and being mm-hmm. the dad. And So a three-week NICU stay. Um, I imagine that was sort of a best-case scenario. You knew you were going to end up in the NICU regardless. We but did. But that stay isn't isn't all that long. It wasn't. I, I lost track of time. Yeah. <laughs> that happens. Um, you really fall into the routine of things, but three weeks isn't three and a half weeks. Isn't that that long in the scheme of things? Yes. Someone told me that actually. It's another, still got to be the longest three weeks ever. Another triplet mom told me in the scheme of things, this NICU stay is not that long. It felt like a lifetime while we were there. Oh because gosh. Yeah. We just wanted to go home and, you know, fall into our family and, do the things that we, you know, want to do. And um, at the same time, you're probably terrified of the day you have to go home. Oh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was definitely nice. 
I, it was almost like we had a little boot camp though, because we definitely learned what to do. And any question that we had, we could be like, Hey, like this is happening. I remember, um, Dr. Bell was one of the first doctors that we worked with for a couple days. Um, and they switched something with Dominic and Lincoln's like a medicine that they were getting or something. They were taking this medicine for acid to counteract acid. And it was right when we first started staying with them throughout the night. Um, and I felt like they were starting to spit up more. And I was like, um, you know, we started this and now they're spitting up. Oh, I didn't notice that before. Mind you, I wasn't spending 24 hours a day with them before they were in the other. Sure. NICU, so they could have been spitting up and I just had no idea. But I was like, um, you know, I don't, they're spitting up. And the doctor had to look at me and be like, okay, they're babies. They're going to spit up. It's going to happen sometimes. And I was like, <laughs> okay, you're right. Things are okay. Thanks for that reassurance. But at the time I was like, very worried about it. Yeah. You know, and um, every day the doctors would come in for rounds. I, we worked with Dr. Bell for a few days. Dr. Daigle was who we worked with the most and he was amazing. Um, and, you know, as the nurse practitioner comes in, the dietitian comes in, like all of the nurses come in. Um, and there were days where we would have six different nurses because we... Sometimes, usually they tried to have Dominic and Lincoln's nurse be the same person. It wasn't always, though. So there are two shifts. You know, sometimes we had six different nurses. Yeah. We got to know a lot of fantastic people um, <laughs> who were really cared for our babies, which was awesome. Um, so as I was sitting in there and they would come in for rounds, I would write down, okay, this is their weight. This is how much they've gone up or gone down. This is how much they're eating. This is how much of the percentage of the bottle that they've had. This is what's going to happen, you know this is the plan for them. Um, especially when Joey wasn't there. And then I would take a picture and send it to him so that he would, he would know, you know, <laughs> um, because it's a lot of information to try and keep straight and relay to someone, um, to get out of the NICU, a baby has to gain weight consistently. Um, they have to be able to maintain their own body temperature in an open air crib. Um, you know, as they start ver the very first NICU that they were in, they just had a heat lamp that, it was like an open air, like little platform okay. and there was a heat lamp right on them. <laughs> I'm picturing a baby iguana. Go on. Okay. <laughs> and then the next step is moving to the isolate, which is like an incubator type thing. Yeah. Um, which by the way, we really learned how to change diapers using that because you stick your arms through two little holes and you have to navigate changing a diaper. Oh, whoa. So we're like, by the time we're done with this, we're going to be a pro at changing a diaper because we're going to have like the world to... <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so that was the next step for in terms of keeping their body temperature. Um, and then they pop the top on the isolate and make sure that they can maintain their temperature there. Um, and they wrap them in a sleeper and a sleep sack and put a hat on them. Um, every diaper change, you would take their temperature to make sure that they're maintaining what they needed to do. Um, and then they work their way into an open air crib. So that was that step. Let's think. They needed to gain weight, body temperature. They went through four phases of feeding. Um, so like so many bottles a day, they have to finish such and such percentage. The fourth phase is they have to wake up on their own to feed. Um, and finish like 90% of their bottles that they're offered. They're offered bottles for every feeding. They have to finish 90%, um, which turns into a whole new game when people <laughs> are there and they're like, oh yeah, I'll feed them. And we're like, um, no, actually we, we got this. Yeah. <laughs> and you really learn like the nurses learn how the babies eat and they know like Lincoln was a sleepy eater. He didn't wake up really on his, on his own 
per se, but once you changed his diaper, he was ready to go. Um, but he, like the other two would be in there like ready and like crying, but rooting around. And, um, so like once you worked with the nurses consistently, they learned and you know, the night nurse, whoever we would have, we'd be like, okay, she's great because I know that she will try and get him to eat or get her yeah. to eat. So that's all, because it all plays into it. Like it's a big team thing that you mm-hmm. have to get these babies big enough and well enough and you know that way enough to go home that are healthy enough to go home um and then they have to be able to take their medication whatever medications they have which we just had a vitamin when we left um there was a chance that lincoln was going to need to be on oxygen uh we actually had a follow-up appointment today um for a pda is what it's called um and i there's a long name for it don't ask me what it is Um, he had some things going on with his heart, which was very, I mean, it was scary and you try to be like, oh no, things are, things are okay. Um, and I really didn't share much about what went on with his heart and the fact that he might have to go home on oxygen. Um, but he ended up having, he has basically a little blood vessel that runs that newborns have, um, that helps get blood to the lungs usually it closes. It's like eight in 1,000 preemies end up having this where it doesn't close within the first few days. He's one of them. Like, and it just happened. They checked on it today. It hasn't grown. Um, so they aren't worried about it. But having that initial conversation of your baby has this thing going on with his heart, I will tell you, I was able to hold it together. And it was hard, but the doctors were very much yeah. like, it's like developmental. Like they're, he's going to, chances are he's going to grow out of this. Um, I held it together during that conversation. And then part of the conversation was about how it might be up to 30 days that he's in here. Again, I was like, okay. And then it switched to talking about Dominic and how Dominic might be going home within the next three or four days. I lost it. I started crying. I'm sure I shocked everyone in the room. And you would think that is like the happiest news that you can get. Your baby's going to be able to go home. At that point, it was still you know, we thought the rule of you can't stay here with a sibling. How am I going to have this baby who is in here for 30 days? And how am I going to have this baby who's discharged? And how am I going to be there for both babies? Right. Um, I was, (laughs) I was crying. My sister was sitting next to me. We can laugh about this now. We actually reflect on it a lot and kind of joke about it. It was not funny at the time. Um, (laughs) She actually kind of was funny at the time. (laughs) Um, So I'm one of those people where like, if you don't acknowledge that I'm upset, like, we're fine. Like I can be upset and things will be fine. Unless you're my husband, you better acknowledge (laughs) that I'm upset if you're my husband. (laughs) But as I was sitting there, my sister, like I start crying and my sister like reaches over and puts her hand on my back and I went, don't touch me. (laughs) And I like tried to start laughing, but I'm sobbing. And my sister's like, what just happened? I don't even know. Everyone in the room is like big eyed. And I'm like, no, like when you touch me, it just makes it worse. And I am like, Yes, crying. Um, so we joke about that. We would frequently be like, oh, don't touch me. <laughs> um, and then we walked out, and one of the sweet ladies at the desk, I was visibly upset, and my sister was trying to pretend like everything was fine because that's what I said, and that's how I was going to cope with the situation. Right, right. And um, she was like, I just saw it all happening. Like the lady, And we had talked to the lady several times. Like She knew us, and 
she was walking around the corner and my sister was like, I just knew that she was going to walk up and give you a hug. And all I could think about was, oh, don't touch don't her. Don't touch her. her. Don't. <laughs> I handled it much better when I got a hug from that lady. I'm like, thank, yeah, thank you. I'm just, yeah, you're so nice and it makes it worse. <laughs> but um, we ended up, I mean, Dominic was discharged. They ended up sharing with me while we were sitting there they would accommodate Dominic. Just the situation was, you know, an right. extreme circumstance. Yeah. So what they did is they moved Callie into the twin room. So Callie and Lincoln were there as patients and we were able to keep Dominic in a crib off to the oh, side. Thank goodness. Yes. And then Callie was discharged a couple of days later. So then it's, you know, is it easier to stay here with two babies that I'm trying to take care of, you know, and then have Lincoln off, you know, being taken care of by the staff, we had decided that I was going to go home with Callie and Dominic. Um, thank God that day that Callie was discharged, my mom came up from Kansas City and she was able to stay with Lincoln. Okay. So as hard as it was, and I cried, and as I walked like through the hallway, I had nurses looking at me like, honey, it's going to be okay. Like, <laughs> we, we've got this. Um, but having to leave him there at the hospital was so hard. And again, I know people have to do it all the time and they aren't able to stay. But in that moment, like I was the only one ever who ever felt that way. And yep. <laughs> it was not okay. Yeah. Um, but within a week, they were all home. Okay. So it wasn't that long. It didn't last that long. Thank goodness. Because we were driving back and forth with the babies too every day to see him. Um, and then everyone came home. Do you remember what that first night was like with all three of them home? Um, what stands out? <laughs> I tried feeding everyone separately. That's what stands out. <laughs> uh, and what you, it doesn't work. I would love to be able to hold mm -hmm. everyone and cuddle everyone as they eat. But if I ever want to sleep again, I have to. Yeah. We, I, we prop the bottles. We use the boppy pillows, um, boppy loungers, which are a godsend. We would not be able to, you know. Right now, Joey's at home with all three of them. And when I was leaving, he was feeding all three of them on their own. Their props, their bottles were props. You rotate who gets burped and who mm -hmm. doesn't. Um, and it works out. But that first night, I tried feeding everyone on their own. So everyone was kind of waking up at different times, which they're already on a schedule um, from the NICU. So it was like, why are we going backwards? And having the realization that I am the one that has to get up. And the NICU, you know, it's kind of like, I would be like, well, if I'm up, I'm up. If not, you guys can go ahead and feed up. <laughs> you don't get that luxury when you're no. at home. With all the, and with, plus you're pumping. Oh, yes. Yep. So um, we just, even when like just Lincoln was in the NICU, we had questions that we would ask about the other babies. Like Callie's belly was really tight and we were really concerned about it. And so we were like, hey, off the record, one of our favorite nurses, can you like tell us what you think about this? And she was like, that's not okay. Like you need to try and do this and this and this. So we still had that resource where immediately we had a concern. Our concern could be addressed and we could have a plan. Mm -hmm. When you take them home, you don't have that either. You have Google and that can be a dangerous slippery yes, slope. That is a so, dangerous yes. place to be. Mm. <laughs> So now you have a pretty efficient system. I watched you do it in your house and it's certainly time consuming, but it's efficient. You know, it's still, you know, get up, baby, change, baby. Meanwhile, bottles are cooking and um, 
So, so there's a whole process that happens. I imagine there was a bit of a learning process about how to make it happen the most efficiently. Like you can't get up babies if bottles aren't cooking because <laughs> babies are going to get angry. <laughs> Unless they're all already angry. And then we have to be like, I joked about it. We talk about patience all the time. Like, I'm sorry, you have to be patient. Like I'm burping your brother right now. You have to be patient. <laughs> And then sometimes the patient's talks are for my, my own sake. Like I tell them, the baby is like, oh, you have to be patient. Yeah. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, I need to remember, I need to be patient because right now I have these babies screaming and I need to get all of this done. Um, I mean, sometimes babies cry. That happens. That's yep. no way around that. Yeah. Well, and even bringing home a second, I told that to my husband. I said, someone is going to cry. And somebody's going to be crying and it might be the older one and it might be the younger one, but somebody's going to be crying in this house. Mm -hmm. And so like, it was like a mental block that we had to get over, which was somebody might cry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> somebody yes. probably will cry. Yeah. <laughs> and like you can walk in and it's going to look like a circus, but mm -hmm. it will be okay. Right. Right. <laughs> it's, they're okay. We will make it through, <laughs> through this. Um, so I guess we've spent so much time talking about babies and how the babies are doing. How do you think you're doing right now? I, you know, the easy answer is, Oh, things are good. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, with the doctor's appointment today in Iowa city with Lincoln went back to the NICU beta stop, dropped off some cookies. I remember someone dropped off cupcakes when we stayed there. And I thought that it was the sweetest thing because someone like, who was in our shoes took a minute to be like, you know, there's just wait until you get to the other side of this, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I, when you guys were out at the house, Stephanie, who was the person who was working the camera mm -hmm. asked if I had like a PTSD type situation with the NICU. And I was like, no, like, I mean, kind of a little, you know, the more that I have thought about it since that day, I have realized like there are things that happen all throughout my day that flash me back to being in the NICU. Really? Yes. Um, even I, we have like owlet monitors on them. So that was the thing that I came up with when you guys were at the house was when you're in, which I didn't mention, the babies had to go so many days without having a breathing spell. Yes. That's a yes. huge one. Mm -hmm. Huge to get out of the NICU. Um, one of those other, other markers. Um, and Lincoln for a while I would have them frequently. Um, Callie and Lincoln had them the most, but you can't have a breathing spell. So what it looks at is it looks at the oxygen level dropping and their heart rate dropping because the oxygen level is so low. Um, you have to, it throws off a sensor. It throws off this like noise that that's what flashes me back is that noise. Um, but it will pop up on every screen on that circuit in the NICU will pop up that code when a breathing spell is happening. So like if it was happening in our, you know, room 618, it would pop up in like 619, 620. So the nurses knew, yeah, I have to get to this room, whether it's their, the baby's nurse or anyone, everyone comes to that room. Um, you have to stand there and see if they'll self-resolve it for 10 seconds which feels like a very long time. Yeah. Um, if they don't self-resolve after 10 seconds, then it's a measurable spell um, and you can stimulate them, which like you just kind of shake their, you know, chest a little bit and put your hands on them. Um, is, is it basically that they 
are so little they forget to breathe? Yes. Okay. Um, that's what I was told. Okay. They just sometimes they don't have those memories built into their system automatically where it doesn't happen on its own all the time. Um, sometimes they, you know, if they were trying to poop, that it might happen. If they were trying to, <laughs> if they were in a really deep sleep, it might happen. Like all of these things where they're focusing on something else. Yeah. It might, you know, um, it might cause the breathing spell to happen. Um, Lincoln, luckily, there was one time where the spell went on after the nurse came in to, to stimu like, stimulate him. Um, he didn't come out of it at first. And my sister was in the room. We would trade every other night what room I slept in. Um, so that, I, you know, I stayed with everyone and someone always had someone in their room at nighttime. Um, and my sister said that it felt like the longest time period ever because he wasn't coming out of it. Yeah. Um, so we have these outlet monitors, which are similar to what they have in the NICU. Um, and for me, it, it gives me kind of reassurance because I can look and I can see that they're breathing. I'm not walking into their room 99 times a day to make sure that they're yep. still breathing. Um, so at nighttime they have these sensors on, um, a couple of times those, the, oh, the oxygen level has dropped below where it should be. Okay. And it will throw off, you know, a, a noise where you take off running to try and make sure that the baby's okay. So like that has happened. And like you, I can't fall back asleep after that happens because mm -mm. my adrenaline's going like, and then you sit there and you worry about them because you know how serious it is, which babies might do that all the time with their oxygen level. And you never know because right. you don't have that sensor on it. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, but I would rather know that they're breathing. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, but even little things like the wave during the Hawkeye game. Yeah. I will tell you, like I, we weren't even there during the season when it happened, but we like stared at that stadium for so many hours while we were sitting there with babies and like, that alone flashes me back. Really? Like, so I like never... this weekend you were watching the Seahawks game and which they, well, they, they didn't, they didn't really games. do it there. Yeah. never yes. mind. Okay. So, so but not quite okay. as much, but, um, yes. Like seeing the, seeing that happen and even seeing, I, they have kind of a video about how it originated and yeah. where it came from and like how it impacts the children in the children's hospital. And I watched it. I actually made my mom watch it today. And we were both crying messes. I should not. Like, I'm no, sorry. No, what's the matter with I you? Was, I was talking to her about it. And I'm like, have you seen it? Like, it's a really good video. And yes, it's a little emotional. Like, I had seen it last year when it came out. But this time when I watch it, I, like, and we were crying messes. Like. Suddenly you're on the other side of the glass. Yes. Like, I, I know how it feels to sit there and, like just hope that things are going to be better, you know? And that's what they, that's the whole message behind yeah. the whole thing. Like is sending that hope and having people out there who are praying for you. Like I'm getting teary eyed talking yeah. about it again. I wasn't even there in season, but knowing that, I don't know, just knowing that there are people out there that will support you mm -hmm. when you're going through something like that, that might not even know you. Yeah. It's huge. Um, and then I tried, I dropped off the cookies, like I said, in the NICU today. I tried talking to the ladies at the front desk. I'm like, oh, yeah, for NICU awareness, blah, blah, blah. Like, here are these cookies. <laughs> and they're like, oh, this is so sweet of you. And I was like, well, you guys just, you just meant, meant so much to us while we were going through. And I was like, I'm getting teary-eyed just talking mm -hmm. to you about it. Like, I couldn't get sentences out being back in I mean, in the room, in the, on the floor where it all happened, where mm -hmm. I spent three and a half weeks and didn't go outside, you know? Um, I mean, it was 
very consuming and there were people there that supported you and that was amazing. Yeah. Um, just random little things. I was looking through pictures and looking at how little the babies were and looking at all the tubes that flashes you back real quick, you know? Yeah. And looking at how much they've grown, which is an exciting part of it. You probably saw yourself in a couple of the parents' faces too. You know, if you saw any families there, you were probably like sending the silent message of, I'm going to get out of here. Actually, I warmed a bottle there in the NICU. And I was like, I don't know where to warm a bottle up here. You know, <laughs> like, so I was like, can I just use the, you know, the family room uh-huh. up front to warm this bottle? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. Um, and one of the nurse practitioners that we had came out and we were able to visit with her real quick, which was nice. Um, but as I was standing there, I watched a family leave. And I, they had their bags packed, or had, they had their pillows with them, and they had the car seat. Um, babies also have to pass a car seat test to be able to leave. Oh, yeah. They have to sit in the car seat for an hour and a half, which I don't know. Is that a normal thing for any baby? Or no. is that Mm-mm. okay? another NICU Yeah, a NICU specialty. Um, so, and like just seeing them leave, and they were smiling, and I like, I, I made eye contact with the dad, and I was just like, oh, I just want to tell you guys, like, congratulations, but, and I look again, teary-eyed, teary-eyed, just thinking about, yeah. like, what those feelings are when you get to finally leave, and you get to go home as a family. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if this is too personal, then I don't have to ask it, but, um, and I'll just cut it out, but. So I'm asking this because I dealt with postpartum after Everett was born. And, um, and I'm curious because I think my, my struggle with postpartum was related to um, Everett had to go to the hospital for one lousy night because he was dehydrated because he wasn't oh. feeding. And, you know, I starved him for five days. Um, and so I think that plus the breastfeeding troubles that I had triggered the 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 dark place that I went into. So I'm just curious when you're in the NICU for that long um, and you're not going outside, do they spend extra time making sure that, that you are doing okay? You know, that like that mentally you're coping with everything or is it all just all babies all the time? The nurses were amazing at checking in with me. Yeah. Um, Whether it was checking in on what I wanted to do in the care of the babies that was one conversation, but then there were other nurses who would check in on how I was doing and who would tell me to go outside. Like, yeah. what are you doing? You need to leave. You need to go to the cafeteria. Um, Joey and I went out one night for a date night and they were like, no, you need to, like, you have to do this. Yeah. Um, I, there was one night that I went home when the babies were there and Joey stayed up there. Um, and they were like, no, like, and they even went and they found the charge nurse was like, this is, you know, someone who I feel so confident and like brought this nurse to me because none of the nurses that we knew were working that night. And she's like, this is who will take care of the babies like this. She's great. She's done this, this, and this. They made me a little like scrapbook page while I was gone. Like they were, they were very concerned about it. I had nurses who, I had one nurse who sat with me in the room in the middle of the night as I pumped and talked to me about postpartum and talked to me how it affected her and how it snuck up on her and how I just need to make sure that I watch out for it. Like it, I would say above and beyond. I'm like so impressed by that. I'm happy that, that that was available to you. And I will say I, in the hospital did not feel like I was going through any postpartum depression type things. Um, when I came home, 
my sister said, I think you are. Um, because I posted something about crying about watching Pitch Perfect because we watched it <laughs> in the hospital yeah. non- and we would sing the songs. And I, you know, when we would be feeding the kids, we would sing the songs and they would start eating more. And I joke because they were eating faster so that they didn't have to listen to me sing anymore because <laughs> I'm not a great singer. Um, so, um, but I posted about like how I, you know, that can, I listen to the songs now and it can make me cry. There's another little mm-hmm. Nikki thing. Um, and it's happy, not even the most appropriate songs. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this flashes me back. Um, and I was like, no, like, I'm fine. Um, I don't, within like the last week, and I don't know what it is. I, I don't know. I don't know if I have postpartum symptoms, depression symptoms. And I feel like being in the field that I'm in, like I'm in a very mental health field. I am a school counselor. Like, I should be able to pick up on this, but I will tell you, I don't know. There yeah. are things that will happen and I will be, I said that to my husband the other day. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going through this right now because yeah. out of nowhere, like I will be tearful and it hasn't happened until like this past week. Um, I think I've realized part of it is we were strongly encouraged by Dr. Daigle not to, bring the babies out in public until they were three months. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be around groups of people. He was like, don't go to Walmart. Don't go to church. People are disgusting. That was, <laughs> that was his quote. Um, and that was for Dominic's discharge. who was discharged first. So immediately after we had that conversation, by the way, um, my sister and I decided we were going to go to lunch. Well, he's discharged, which means he now comes with us. And we get into this elevator, which then was filled by people. And all that we sat there and thought about was people are disgusting. Oh my gosh. Breathe on my baby. baby. (laughs) Which they didn't. I mean, but it was that immediate, like, Oh, like people are disgusting. We're this little cube. Um, but like having the feeling of wanting to take the babies out and do the normal things that we normally do. We haven't done. Mm -hmm. We've hung out at home. There's been one time where we have taken all three of them out. Um, to like the in-laws and, you know, hung out and had, had a meal. And we used to do that every weekend and we aren't able to do that right now. Right. And like, it hit me because there was a cookout and I want to, like, I want to be able to bring everyone to the cookout. Um, but just not knowing who might be sick and like, it's not worth it. And I ended up deciding that there was another gathering this past weekend that we were going to go to. And I said, yes, let's, let's go. And then by the next morning, when we were supposed to be leaving, I was like, I don't want, like, I can't do this because if something were to happen to them and knowing that we are clearly told, wait three months for them to get yeah. stronger. They are not three months old yet. Like that would be on me. Granted, after three months, they could get sick, but guess what? And they will get sick. They will get sick. You know? But I still followed that one guideline that, you know, they were very clear, <laughs> clear about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just... I can't wait to get into a routine of things where we all get to go and do things as a family. Yeah. Go like right now we're a family at home, but I want to be able to bring them out to meet people and, yeah. you know, stop by school and have my coworkers meet them. And, um, that sort of, which school is a scary place to bring little babies. <laughs> there Certainly. Are lots of germs. Oh, yeah. Um, and what we ended up doing this last weekend is, and I don't know why we hadn't thought of it before, but we put everyone in the car seat in their car seats and we have a triple stroller (laughs) and we went for a walk. Like we all got out of the house. It was a beautiful weekend. Um, 
my mom went with us. We took the dog. Like, we just walked up and down our little road and came back and then stood outside. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm outside again. Yeah. This is wonderful. Why haven't we done this, you know, earlier? Partly because it was so hot is why we hadn't oh, done yeah, it. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, um, you know, we're moving in that direction and they're getting bigger and we're going to be able to. Mm-hmm. Again, in the scheme of things, this time period is going to be like a blip. So... We have their whole lives to do I those know. fun things, and I can't wait. I know. It will be worth the wait. <laughs> That's the theme, huh? <laughs> right. But, you know, it's it's weird how anxious you get to just feel like yourself again, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would say probably I'm just now starting to feel like myself again, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely like a work in progress, especially when you're still pumping. It's very hard to feel like yourself because you're just very time consuming, very time consuming. And this, that want to talk about PTSD, that pumping noise, (laughs) right? Oh, goodness. (laughs) Yes. I hear that all the time, all the time. So you've been sitting here with me for two hours. Did you oh realize my gosh, that? No, <laughs> I did not. Does it feel good to be out in the quiet for two hours or are you like anxious to go home? I mean, you I'm, can be honest. I'm excited to go home. <laughs> I'm excited. Even today when we were, when I just had Lincoln at the hospital, there was a little baby that was just crying. And I'm like, oh, that sounds a little bit like Kelly. Mm-hmm. And I missed them. I did. I d- had no idea it's been two hours. Like, yeah. time has flown. Um, so, you know, time flies when you're having fun, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, holy cow, I'm going to walk outside and it's going to be dark. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you came and it was light. Yeah. Um, so I guess one last question for you, which baby is your favorite? Oh my gosh, I do not have a favorite. <laughs> what are you doing to me? Um, no, I guess what is, um, I don't actually think you have a favorite. Uh, what's, what's something that stands out to you about each of their little personalities? Each little personality. Yeah. Um, Callie has many different faces. She <laughs> is very expressive. Um, and let's see. Lincoln has a great smile. He will like, and he knows when to use it. So it will be like when you're trying to get him to drink his bottle, which he's a very casual eater. And the other two, like you give them their bottle. They know what to do. Let's burp. Let's eat this bottle. He wants to like look at everything around and he takes forever. (laughs) But when you're talking to him and you're like, okay, like let's go with this bottle. He will give you the biggest smile ever, like bottle hanging out of the mouth and everything. And it's like, don't you smile at me right now. Like you're too cute. You have to eat this bottle. I already missed that just like fully gummy smile because right? my Everett all of a sudden has five teeth. Oh my god! I know. It's ridiculous. That's He's like crazy. sprouting these teeth all over the place. But there's just nothing like that just fleshy, gummy, like goony little smile. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it's great. My, <laughs> sis, my other sister um, out in Denver made the comment that Lincoln looks a lot like Bruce Willis. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he does. And I, I tried to find a before and after. And it's one of the pictures that he had when he was still in the NICU. Yeah. And just his big, like, gummy, wrinkly old man smile. Like, it's funny. And then Mr. Dominic, he is, like, very laid back. Very laid back. He's starting to smile more. Um, the only time he's not laid back is when he is hungry and he will let you know. So yeah. I suppose he's as assertive as well. <laughs> um, but then he eats his bottle and he's chill. He'll just kind of hang out. Um, 
he, and he's very, very strong and likes to, he's already pushing like against things to move. All of them are. Um, so, and I don't know, there are things that I could go on and on about all of them. I'm just, I, it amazes me to think about what type of people these little, yes. little tiny people are going to become. I know. I can't, I can't even get over it. Like, I'm so excited to see. Well, if you haven't heard it yet today, you're doing a great job. Thank you. Those babies are well taken care of and they are loved beyond measure and you are doing fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for taking some time out of your day to come and chat with me. I am so excited that you came and I hope that you won't mind if we keep checking in with you. Not at all. And watching them grow because people seem to love you and your babies. And so it's really, really fun to share your stories. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about that I'm not asking you? Um, not that I, I mean, I can go on and on <laughs> with know. stories and experiences that we have, but I, I don't know. It's just, it's been exciting. Yeah. Some of the stuff that has happened has been crazy, but it's been worth it. You so. are blessed. Yes. <laughs> I'm with that. I agree with that. Katie, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to On a Mother Level from the Tribune Audio Network. Tribune Audio Network.